Hi everyone, my name is Michaela, and this is the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness, where we spotlight stories from our community to uplift the collective consciousness. Thank you for being here and enjoy the episode. Hello everyone and welcome back to the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness. My name is Michaela. I'm so excited to be here with Nashula Joy Devi, our very special guest who is back with us today uh, to give us a little chat about her new revised version of her book and she's coming to Austin to visit us. So we are so excited to have you here, Nashula. How are you today? I'm wonderful. I'm very excited to be here with you today too. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course. I am so thankful to be able to talk to you again and spend more time with you. Um, Your purple hair always makes me so happy. Always makes me smile. Um, That's what I look forward to when I gray is coloring my hair. That's what. Enjoy it is what I say. Don't cover it. Just make it part of you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Anyway, not to derail yeah. this about hair. <laughs> yeah. We could, we could do a whole session just on hair. I would love that and talk about products. That would be so fun. Um, anyway, for those of you who don't know Nushala, we'll do just a little, a little intro here. Um, Nushala is one of Michelle Young's teachers. Michelle is CEO of My Vinyasa Practice and Nushala brings this really beautiful perspective um, from her long experience, her varied experience with yoga. Um, and so we're excited to have her back today to share a little bit more of that with us. Um, do you want to give a little intro about you? You want to share anything? Um, well, I think one of the interesting uh, aspects of my journey was that I, I had a very strong Western medicine background. And then I got involved in yoga and I became a monk. So it's not just a casual relationship with yoga. I uh, married it, you could say, uh, in that way. And, uh, and then I, I moved the two of them together because I saw I didn't want them to be conflicting. I wanted them to be harmonious with each other. And that's there are two parts of me. I always joke with people. I'm a scientific mystic, if, if you can say something like that because I have a very strong science background, but I also have the mystical aspect. So uh, a scientific mystic or a mystic scientist, whichever you want to do. Um, so that's something that's kind of a little bit different in the way I see the world. Yes, yeah. what a unique perspective, Western yeah. medicine to becoming a monk. And now here we yeah. are. What a cool, <laughs> so tell me, tell me a little bit, what did you do in Western medicine? I was a physician's assistant at first, and um, I got very disillusioned Mm. at a certain point Mm. and left it and went into holistic medicine. And that's where I did a lot of the research for the Dean Ornish program and uh, reversing heart disease and and that, um, because I just, I knew that it wasn't just physical. It's not just what you eat or how you exercise, it's what your soul's journey is taking you on. Yeah. And um, so it, it was a very interesting um, meshing of two worlds that really don't mesh well, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a beautiful example of embodying both and yeah, having everything in one. Um, yeah. Thank I do you for lean, sharing. Lean, I do lean toward the mystical more than the science. 
So we'll say Listen. you're a mystical scientist or no, 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 no. A scientific, scientific mystic. That's what we like. Yes. That's fun. Yes. Yeah. You we should get shirts with that. As the adjective, not the noun. Yes, exactly. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with that, I feel like understanding that about you and knowing kind of where you've come from is such a huge piece of then looking at what you've done with your look at the sutras and and everything behind that. So we know that this is your revised edition. Tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write your first edition, and then we'll move into uh, what inspired you to write the revised edition. People like you inspired me to write the first edition. My students, I would give a talk and they say, why don't we hear this anyplace else? Will you write it down? And I resisted it for years because when I would look at, the, especially on Amazon, there were 1,500 different interpretations of the Yoga Sutras. And I thought to myself, do we really need one more interpretation of the Yoga Sutras? And the answer kept on coming, yes, we actually do because there's no feminine voices in it. There's no one that's talking about yoga from a heart-centered perspective. It's all mental. And again, getting back to my scientific uh, background, I could have done it from a mental perspective. But that to me isn't what the sutras are. They come from the heart. And they return to the heart. So it's a a complete. And um, I just, so I thought, well, I'll write it and I'll see if anyone's interested. And I, I, to tell you the truth, I was really shocked to see how many people embraced the sutras because of it, because it was a translation that people could understand in their hearts and it related to them. It wasn't something 5,000 years that we, or 2,500 years ago that was written. It was written for us who we are today. And Also being a PA, being a monk, but also being a woman in this world that we're in right now. Um, And and I I own that. I I own that that there are things that are unique to a woman that have to be expressed in a certain way for us to be able to feel empowered to follow it not being told that we're bad people or we're not spiritual people, but instead told that we are spiritual people. And just to embrace that, to, to own that part of us with, with glory, with vigor, uh, with enthusiasm, rather than try to hide that part of us. And, and be, somehow I'm using the word very um, freely mystic but the people are afraid of that word they're afraid of being mystical yet i really believe we're all mystical we all have that part of us don't you that you think that yeah. uh, yes i do yeah. yes and so this uh, hopefully the books ask people to embrace that with um with courage with with really reaching out and say Yes, there's a whole other level of consciousness that we haven't even tapped into. That's that's the mystical part. 
And that's also where the loving each other comes in. Because if you're mystical, you, you don't see the prejudices and the differences. What you see is spirit. And that's what I, I love to see and love to do in that way. So that was the first. And that, of course, leads into the second. Or did you want to ask something else? And No. Okay. I was just going to um, say that that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Um, okay. Yes. Lead us Thank into you. the revised edition. What's so, so what came there? So what happened when I wrote the first edition? It was about 2006. And I was still teaching, fully teaching. And what I, I felt that books one and two were probably enough for people to take in, because if you didn't know the sutras at all, that was that could be a lifetime study, just that. So I just wrote those. I just wrote those and people, nobody complained. I've rarely heard anyone say, oh, you didn't do the third and fourth book or whatever. And I, I wrote a little disclaimer and I said, there, it's very esoteric, the third and fourth book. And then something happened during the pandemic. Like the rest of us, I was sitting around and thinking, Actually, I wasn't just sitting around. I read a couple other books during the pandemic um, just to keep myself busy. And um, then I, somebody gave me, asked me for, to put the sutras that I had translated into a group of other sutras. Uh, and when I looked at who was offering them, it was all men, of course. I was, it was the only heart-centered interpretation. And then I, then, but I said to him, you know, I don't want to just give you books one and two. I want to give you three and four. So I set out then to retranslate three and four. And when I did that, I thought, well, I might as well put commentary to it. So it snowballed. And then I thought, well, I'll just put it out as a second volume. But then the publisher said, no, look, let's make it a complete book. So that's how that happened. And, you know, it's funny because I, I said to my partner um, when it was finished, I said, I think I might have just put myself out of a job because I'm not sure anybody's going to want to know about the third and fourth sutra. It's, they're so out of our, the realm of everyday life. But you know what? And I'm happy about this. I was wrong. I was wrong. People are loving it. They're loving to know what happens next? Where do we go from here? What is sitting there doing pranayama and, and uh, meditation? Where does it take me? Because very few teachers talk about that, where it takes people. And don't we want to know that? Like anything, we want to know where it's going to go. So um, that's, that's why I wrote the second, the revised edition, and I'm very happy I did. And um, people are appreciating it, and that makes me happy. Absolutely, I I am thankful that you went to do the final two as well. Um, I feel like I kind of appreciate though how your journey happened because that's kind of how my yogic path happened. I really sat with the first first book, really, maybe a little bit of the second book. And before I even started kind of to get into those deeper states of, okay, can I sit here and meditate? You know, it took a while of dedicated asana and just like showing up and trying to meditate, showing up and trying to do breath work. Yeah. 
So I really like that, that you kind of mirrored that unintentionally with starting with the first two books and then bringing us the second two. Thank you for sharing that because that's it. That's usually, I think, the way people go, or they jump to the end of the second book and they start with Yama and Niyama. But why? What led us up to that? What happened before that? And that's what I, I love it. Um, the first time I was going to write, it was very interesting, the first book. Um, I, you know, I didn't really know what to what people wanted. So I just I decided to do take just 20 or so sutras and call it like Patanjali's greatest hits. That's what I was going to do. I was going to do Patanjali's greatest hits. And when I started though, and I wrote them all out, I realized you can't do that. There's a sequence to it. There's there's the one before leads you to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. And I started to see the incredible beauty and poetry of these sutras and how they interwove everything together. Um, and then I, I think this was one of the other questions you asked. What, what was very important to me as a woman we tend to like things experiential. We tend to want to embody them, to actually take the teachings in. It's not something we just want to hold the book and read it. We really want to go into it. And that's why probably it's one of the few, if not the only sutra book that actually has practices in it. Because I wanted people to feel, what does it feel like to say yoga chitta vritti nirodaha? What does it mean to you? What does it feel like when you close your eyes and say it? So that's been really, and hopefully very helpful for people. Uh, and, and for teachers, I encourage them to use those practices in their classes to help people get into meditation. Yeah, yeah. I love that you, so what I'm hearing is something that I've picked up from Michelle, which she probably picked up from you, which is why I'm hearing it. Um, the whole just importance of application to yourself, yeah. because we could talk about the things we can talk about the things, but until we do them, yeah, that's a different level of understanding. As a matter of fact, the, uh, the old way of teaching, and I, I actually put it in the book, there's three ways three stages of ancient ways of imparting knowledge, okay? Shravana means to listen. So the first thing we do is we listen. We hear somebody expounding on the sutras or how to do an asana or pranayama, we listen. But not just with our ears, we listen with our whole being. We're really listening and the posture shows how you're listening. This is not listening. This is listening. We're engaged. So the first is shravana. Then manana, we take it in what someone says. We don't reject it or immediately accept it. We take it in. We say, hmm, is this right for me? Does this make sense? You know, maybe I don't understand it yet. I'm going to put it on the shelf for a couple of months and come back to it. Or no, this is something I've really been looking for. Or I'm not sure this is for me. 
Okay, so we take it in. And then the third, which is what we were talking about, um, Nidhyasana is the experience. That's where we want to experience it. Because if you don't experience, it's just philosophy. There's nothing in it that you can really take into your life and bring you to that higher stage of consciousness. So that's why I put the practices in there to really have the experience of it. And some of them you can't, you can't really experience like samadhi or the higher stages, but I gave a practice that simulates it. And I think that that helps someone understand without words what the sutras are trying to say. And that's a lot how I translated it. You know, when I was doing it, I didn't just look at the words. What does it feel like? And I kept on saying, what did Patanjali feel when he was doing this? What did he experience when he was doing this, that he gave this to us like that? Yeah. So that's a little bit of that. Thank you for sharing that. That's such a beautiful, I love the broken down process of learning, hearing, learning, and experiencing something. and also what a beautiful seat to try to put yourself into because yeah. what we are teaching is an experience after all, right? Because it's yeah. all yeah, it's yeah. perception. We are is awareness it, rising through us. It's awareness rising through us, but we have to get still enough to see it because it's always there. It's not that because we decided to do yoga, that suddenly we became spiritual. We've been spiritual all the time. We just haven't focused on it. And you know, I give the example, you're walking down the street and you're looking at the little flowers that are growing between the cement and the, and the pavement. You're just admiring the little flowers. Meanwhile, there's a beautiful hot air balloon in the sky, but you can't see it, but you're looking down. And even though that may be beautiful, it's nothing compared to that. And that's what we're doing. We're looking everywhere except inside for what's happening to us and who we are. And we're describing ourselves. I'm a doctor, I'm a nurse, I'm a mother, I'm a father, I'm a whatever. But how many people do you meet that say, nice to meet you, I'm a spiritual being? Most people don't, it's a little affected. They wouldn't do that, but people can feel it from them if they are. Yeah. It was funny. I was in an elevator one day. I got in, there was a man in the elevator, just the two of us. And we're riding up, I don't know how many floors. And I looked at him and I said, How are you today? And he said, um, I'm happy. So I said, Oh, that's great. He said, and he looked at me and he said, I feel happy, but you are happiness. And I thought, wow, wow, in an elevator somewhere. But that, you find spiritual people everywhere. He could see, he had a vision and it was just beautiful. It was just a beautiful encounter. And then doors open, I left, he went on and that was it. 
But to touch another spiritual being like that is, to me, is very precious. Yeah. That is remarkable and so kind. Yeah. And I think I might just cry so in that moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I bring him back to me when other people are unkind. I remember, try, and I think that's a really good yogic principle. Don't always focus on what's in front of you if it's not pleasant. There's other pleasant things that you can bring up and that can be there for you. Yeah. I love think? that. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I stubbed my toe or, or no, no, no. I, uh, I hit my hand on the counter in the kitchen and Ooh. I was making a face and my husband came in and he asked me a question and I said, this is what my practice is for. I can bring my awareness to something other than my hand and it's okay. It's okay. I'm okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's exactly yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. It's that ability to it's pranipaksha bhavana is really mm -hmm. what it is mm -hmm. it's the ability to switch to something positive when you're you're heading towards something that's not yeah it's a very powerful practice absolutely and, and can be used hundreds of times a day <laughs> yes absolutely it, it reminds me of um i read a book for book club called buddha's brain where they talked about the power of positive thinking. And, you know, I think that you, ju you just brought up something beautiful from that book that I got from it. That was like, anytime you're feeling those like bubbling thoughts of whatever messenger it is, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm bound by space, I'm bound by time, whatever, following it with, oh, just like you said, I'm, but I'm a divine being. Yep. yep. Just that always following it up with something on the other side. That's right. Like you said, when someone's unkind, just remember the kind man in the elevator. That's why we're just remembering that which never changes. Like your spiritual aspect never changes. The other part, the grumpy, you may gr be grumpy today and happy tomorrow. Or you may be grumpy now and 15 minutes from now you may be happy or vice versa. So that which changes is not something we want to focus on. We want to focus on that which never changes. And then that becomes stronger and stronger. And you actually become that happy person you want to become, which is great. So I'm. would you say that using Pratipaksha Bhavana would be a good tool to break, I shouldn't say break, to reform samskaras and create yes. new pathways? Yes. Awesome. I could just ask you questions, but I should come like that don't have to do with <laughs> the book specifically, but that just have to do with yoga. So I'll bring us back for a minute. We'll have um, tea when I come to Austin. Please. I would love that. Um, I would love that. But I can feel all of this. You, you are happiness. You are kindness. You are, every time I talk about you to others, that's the first thing I say. She's just such a bright human to, to interact with. And I feel like you can you readers can see that in your interpretation of the sutras they're so you said the word earlier embrace I that's what I feel instead of like the separation of maybe get rid of these things that don't serve me but what if I embrace them and transform them and that's what I feel from your interpretation that makes me so happy I can't tell you it really does because that's what it's supposed to be it's not supposed to be, a, to me, a book that you pick up and go, what's, what are they trying to say? 
Am I a bad person? What are they saying? I have to make myself into a good person? Because I think a lot of our Western um, training is extrapolated sometimes onto these ancient scriptures. And we don't really look at them as what they are. Because to me, the yoga sutras are very empowering. They start out telling us immediately who we are. And that we are divine, that this is something that we are. You can't do anything to change that, which is a relief. You know, it's not like you, if, you're, if you're naughty or nice, um, it doesn't matter because that's your facade. That's your personality. That's your, your mental and emotional. That's not really who you are because we know that changes. I was talking to someone about uh, something that happened when I was a child. Well, I certainly don't have the same emotional makeup at seven that I have now, thank goodness. Uh, some people might, but uh, most people at least mature out of that. But you still have the spirituality. That hasn't changed. So if we can just shift to, to focusing on that which does not change instead of what does, we'll be much happier, much happier. And then we see other people like that too. And you see somebody being grumpy, and instead of judging them, you just think, hmm, I bet they had a rough day. And that's the maturity of being with yourself in your spirit that allows you to have unlimited compassion toward another being who's not happy. Not blaming them, but just saying, hmm, something must have happened to make them that grumpy because people aren't normally that grumpy. Yeah. That's not their true nature. And yeah. so I can have compassion for them that they, yeah. this is where yeah. they are. I may not want to be with them, right. but I can have <laughs> compassion for them. And yes, I don't have to be in space with you and I can feel for you. <laughs> you know, there's a wonderful saying Martin Luther King um, uh, said that I, I hold very clear in my heart. He said, I'm so happy Jesus told us to love everyone, but he never said we had to like everyone. And I really, I think that really says a lot. You, when I see someone who's a little bit ruffling my feathers, I think of that. I think, okay, this is a divine being who I am the same as, and I can, I love them, but I don't really want to be around right now. And the loving thing to me and to them would be to just walk away. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love you. And, uh, See you never. We're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> I love that. I, I think that that's the biggest thing that I've gotten from this kind of like unconditionally loved kind of center that I've been so fortunate to find in yoga is that that place of compassion for myself yeah. and for other people. And it's not always easy. I don't always give myself the pause. And sometimes I do think, er, you know, how, why are you being so grumpy today? I don't deserve this, but it's not very far behind that. It's like, okay, I know that that's not the truth. 
grumpy happens. Yeah. It's okay. And sometimes I, I just say, I need a few minutes to let the grump out. I just, you know, it's like, it's like some days it's cloudy and some days it's sunny. It doesn't mean the sun isn't there. It just means a cloud is in front of it. And I think that's what we, we tend to think, oh, if you really knew me, you wouldn't say I'm spiritual. That's what people say to me all the time. And I said, but I do really know you. I know who you are at your essence. That's the most important thing. I don't care about the rest of it if you hang out in ripped pajamas all day or whatever you're going to do. That's just a personality thing. That will change. But who you are it will never change. And I think that's what the sutras tell us over and over in different ways. But they're all telling us the same thing. Yeah. I love that. I, what a what a really nice perspective, new perspective on be just being able to relate to other people, just that focusing on what's not changing, which is the, yes. the, the true reality. Um, yeah. I love that. Thank you. You know, the other thing that's helpful is having a sense of humor. They say that God is the only comedian playing to an audience who has forgotten how to laugh. And I think the more you laugh at yourself and the things that you do, um, I, I just I had an incident with that recently. I was in a uh, uh, in a foreign country, and I was in a bus, and uh, the man not next to me, but the seat across and behind, was opening a water bottle. And it flew out of his hand for some reason. And it just soaked me completely. And he just looked at me in horror when it happened. And I looked down and I burst out laughing. So he started laughing too. And then we became great friends after that. Because what are you going to do? In that moment, you have a choice. You can get angry at him. And what would that do? You'd still be wet. And now you're wet and angry. And then he feels bad because he didn't want to do that. But when you laugh, it dissipates everything. Everything changes. And then someone said to me, what are you laughing at? I said, he just spilled water all over me. He said, aren't you upset? I said, why? It's warm weather. It's water. You know, you just, but that's the kind of thing. If you're going to get upset, this is my advice. Make sure it's worth it because it's a lot of expenditure of energy and you may not have enough to spend. It's, it's a little bit like a bank account. Check to see before you write a check how much you have in your account, right? And if it's low, don't, don't waste it on that. Yeah, and sometimes you may need to get angry. Save those points until you need to get angry and then spend them all at once. Yeah. Yes. I like to imagine I have spoons at the beginning of the day. It's like all the annoyances that I can take before I flip my lid. And uh -huh. I just lose one every now and then. And sometimes I make it to the end of the day with a spoon and sometimes I don't. And that's okay. It is what it Next is. Next day you take another bunch of spoons and exactly. start all over. And try that's again. Great. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I like what you said that you have a choice because I think that that's the underlying even the underlying thing I feel like 
between your perspective of, you know, the sutras and others, you can look at it as sure. These are things that make me bad, wrong, et cetera, or these are things that make me human and they're things that change. So you have a choice in how you can look at it and which feels better. I like the second one. <laughs> and if you choose the second one, you have an actual, an other benefit. You actually grow from it. Yeah. Because you're recognizing something in you that it's not, it's congruent with the rest of you. Yeah. It's a little bit off. See, it's not really my nature to do that, but it's left over from a time that I needed it. Yeah. Do I need it now? That's the question. I need to take That's everything say, you say from this and write it well, down on a piece practical. of paper. That's why I love sutras so much. Yeah. They're practical. Um, it's not something just lofty. Yeah. It's something that we, we need every day because you can't, and we've heard this in different ways all the time, coming off your mat, coming off your pillow. To me, that time of the day of, of concentrated practice is, is like brushing your teeth and having breakfast. You know, it's your basic thing that you do to be able to function in the world. And then from there, all day long, we have to keep asserting and assessing, is this what, how I wanna be? Did I say that? Hmm, I didn't say that the way I wanted to say it. I could have said that a lot nicer. The same meaning, but nicer. So we're assessing, we're helping ourselves grow, but we're not beating ourselves up. Matter of fact, you can even reward yourself with some, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll do anything for, <laughs> it's my generation. We want that instant gratification. I used to get myself through studying with candy. <laughs> you get through this page, you can have a little piece of candy. Minor bubble baths. Because mm. it's good for you. <laughs> and I love it. It's comfortable. It's, it makes me happy. Yeah. So that's why I say, okay, if we can get through this, you get a bubble bath. I love that. <laughs> so it doesn't hurt my body. Right. It helps my body. Right. And um, so it's nice to choose things, if possible, that are um, healthful yes. in that way. Yes. Yeah. And helpful yeah. with a P. Yes. yes. Um, what's your favorite bubble bath scent, if I can ask? <laughs> Oh, lavender. Yeah. Always lavender. That makes sense. Yeah, it's just, you know, lavender is an amazing herb. It's it's calming. It helps you sleep. Uh, it helps with colds. It's, it's just, I just love it. Yeah. So it's always lavender. I did, rose would be a second. Yeah. I yeah. Like rose. Natural rose, though. Yeah. Jasmine. I like, I like a lot of them, but I, my go-to bath is lavender. Lavender. Nice and calming. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I've got one final how, kind of... How, how, my bath, how I take my bath, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that and your yes. <laughs> the perspective of reward uh, as yes. you grow yes. through reward. this. Reward, yes. Yes. And, and without the shame aspect, like... There's no place for shame in spirituality. There's no place for shame anywhere. It's ridiculous, this whole thing of shame. We all do the best we can, and that's what we're doing. And as we grow, we do better. 
But shame, it's, it's a waste of time and energy, I think. I, I feel that way too. I wish I could feel that, tell, tell my brain that, tell it that it needs to just leave it alone. Keep telling it. I will. Bring something else in. Don't yeah. just tell it to let it go. Bring something else in. Um, another quality that you have, when you start to feel, think of shame, bring something positive in. What would that be? Oh, putting me on the spot. Oh. Yeah, you oh. put me on the spot. <laughs> I, ooh, okay, mm, I'm loyal. There you go. That's a great one, especially this day and age. Yeah. Loyalty is not easy. So yeah, you say, I'm not, let's not talk about shame. Let's talk about my loyalty. So you, you switch it and then yes. I come in with, it's degrading. There's not, no reason for shame. I like that. Replace it. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. We, we have too much shame in our society. It was it. Just let me just, go right ahead. Yeah. yeah. I was in, uh, in Morocco with a group. And the trip leader offered us to go to a hammam, the ritual baths. And I was all excited because I've been looking forward to it the whole time. And there were a group of women. Um, that we were that we're going to go, and then one by one they stopped. They started. Oh, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. And I said, and I thought to myself, I bet it's body shame, right? I bet it's body shame. So finally, we got about five women to go, and of course, you're totally in your birthday suit, but they give you a little towel. So a few of them were holding this little towel up like this, which truthfully did nothing and who cared anyway it was all women um so um at a certain point they give you the soap to put on you and i thought oh it'd be good on my face because it was a black uh olive oil soap i thought oh this could be really nice and i put it on my face but i didn't do it good enough because i started to get it in my eye and i reached for something i didn't have much i reached for some paper to well, and the attendant saw it and she came over to me and she filled a bucket of water like this and I didn't see her. She came and she just threw it at me on my face like this. I was like shocked and they were shocked. The other women were there. They were just totally shocked. And what did I do? I started laughing so hard that they started laughing and dropped their towels. Right? And after that, the shame was gone. So there's really no place for body shame, mental shame, education. It's just, it's comparing ourselves to someone who is not us. So, and I, it wasn't like I was going to say to these women, come on, we're all the same. We all have the same parts. Let's just, Go in, some are bigger, some are smaller, but who cares? I didn't say anything, but when I started laughing, they realized the ridiculousness of the whole situation. And we just all started, we were laughing so hard. The attendants, they didn't speak any English. They didn't know what was going on, but they just started laughing. So that's what I'm talking about. That's a way to switch it from shame to fun. You know, let's, let's 
Let's just have fun. We're too caught up in that. Yeah. So next time someone throws a bucket of water at you, start laughing. <laughs> just laugh. So I had, so I had two, bu- two waters thrown, one by a man. <laughs> one intentionally, one unintentionally. <laughs> Final question. Um, I am excited to kind of hear a little preview about what your workshop is going to look like uh, with MVP. I think you just did. Oh, is it um, going to be like this? Are we going to do like a lecture? Is there going to be practices? Yes, both. And what I'm hoping is that people come with questions if they're familiar with it enough now that we can really get into a discussion and really talk about it and bounce it off to how it affects them in their life. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Even with the esoteric parts. Yes. Oh, okay. Lovely. And I I would love people to find the inner mystic in themselves. I think that's a really important thing to do. You have tips on how we can do that? Yes. But you have to come to the workshop. (gasps) There we go. Yes. Meshel is coming to MVP in Austin. So check out the website. It is listed on our events page. So you can find it there. Um, Thank you so much for all of this. I'm excited for you to come into Austin. I'm excited to start to apply some of the new things from the revised edition um, and to hear other people's perspectives. Because I think that's my favorite part of of all of this. Yeah. is there anything else you would like to share today? Um, I guess I just want to say that people ask people not to get frustrated with their practices because I think that we gauge our practices like we gauge the world. Am I making progress? And if you're learning a trade or learning to build something, you can see how you're making progress. You can see that you're hammering a nail in straight where it used to be crooked. Spirituality is not like that. It's it's more like this. And we really can't gauge it, but just I'm asking, trust the practices. They're working. They're doing their job. You may not experience it right now, but they're doing their job. Don't give up on it. Yeah. There will be a transformation. That is so valuable because that is so true. Um, thank you for sharing that. If I had been told that I might not have given up on my practice a few times before actually, you know, really diving head in. Right. right. Um, People do. Yeah. People do. Yeah. And that, and that makes me sad because they're looking for something. Like you said, your generation needs a reward. Yeah. You may not get it. Right. You may not get it. Right. But no, it's there. Right. No, it's there. Yeah. It's yeah. in the small moments, the small victories, each breath. I'm, I'm learning that it's just, you know, there's something in each breath to be grateful for. And you may look back in a year and say, huh, I did change. I did change. I'm a little bit kinder. I'm a little bit less anxious maybe it's not gone completely but it's there did you read my mind 
You just read my mind. I did. Yes. That's my goal is to be less anxious. Um, But absolutely the, the small things and, you know, maybe you're fortunate enough to have community around you who can reflect those back to you and share that. Remind you. There's a beautiful uh, little expression that says satsang atway, the satsang atwam. The immediate benefit of being in good satsang or good company is that you're not in bad company. I love that. So that's it. If you're with people who believe that you are that divine, that's the best thing you can do because they're mirrors to you. But if they believe that all this is a bunch of hogwash, it, it doesn't work. It, yeah. take, it brings you down. It, take, it erodes your faith. Yeah. And that's um, something we don't want to see. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your, your wisdom with me, your time with me. I'm so thankful. Oh. Um, I always get something new from, from spending time with you. I look forward to seeing you and hugging you in person. I know. I'm so very excited. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you in Austin. Safe travels. We're there in March. Yes, very soon. Yes, just a couple months. Um, For those listening, I will have links in the description for purchasing tickets to this event. I'll have information on the event, anything that you might need. I'll also have Nashula's website. I'll link to her revised edition. So if you want to purchase the book, read it before you get in in Austin uh, for March to see her in person. That's, that's a great idea. There'll be a quiz. (laughs) Is there, is there a reward for the quiz? You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. I give everybody a certificate. Yes. Yes. Will you sign it? If you'll sign it, I'll take it. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. (laughs) Thank you, Nashala. Thank you listeners. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you. Namaste.